here's a question I want you guys to think about with me, all right? This is the question I've been thinking all week. We're in John 13, so you guys can kind of flip your Bibles there. Um, and and here's, here's the question I've been thinking about. If you were given complete freedom, what would you do with it? Like complete freedom, complete autonomy, like power to do what you want. This means like no, no rules, right? No tests hanging over your head. No professors assigning homework, assigning tests. No, no kind of people who are kind of in, like parents or bosses kind of looking over your shoulder and kind of giving you some like, hey, this is kind of our desires for what we want you to do with your life. No roommate expectations of how often you're gonna clean the dishes, right? No obligations to anyone or anything. Right? Just no authority telling you what you're gonna do, but you're, you're king, okay? In this scenario, you're, you're king. You have complete power, complete freedom to do exactly what you want, whatever it is that you want to do. You're not inhibited by money. You're not inhibited by anyone else's desires. You can just do whatever it is that you wanna do. So, that's the scenario. All power, all freedom in your hands. What's the very first thing you do, okay? I, I want you to actually think about it. Like, what, what, would you, what do you do? Like, I just, I give you that. Let's say I'm a genie, I give you that. Uh, what do you do? What's the very first thing you do? Well, you're talking about this in D group, and there's a bunch of different answers, right? One's like, do you want to retrofit this like cabin, and it's going to be off the grid, it's going to be sick. Um, you know, someone else is like, I'm not waiting two months to get married. That's happening today. Like, I'm, today it's going to happen, right? But here, what do you do, right? First thing you do when you have the freedom and power to do whatever you want to do. Tonight, this is about what Jesus does. John 13, three, check it out. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, that he was going back to God, okay? So, just real quick, stop there. Jesus knows that God the Father has given everything into his hands, right? The world is at his feet, all power has been given to him. He knows that he's from God, right? He doesn't have any disillusions about this. He knows he's, he's fully human being, but he knows he's fully God. And he knows that he's come from God and he's going back up to God. What is the very first thing he does? Verse four, it says, so, or another, another way of saying it, because of this, he got up from supper, he laid aside his outer clothing, he took a towel and he tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. If you wanna know who Jesus is, this is actually a really, really good place to start. It's a really good place to start. Who is this man? What is he like? What is Jesus about? Maybe this question, what makes Jesus different and unique in the world? This does. This moment, if this was all we had, it'd be enough to say, wow, this person is utterly different than anyone we've ever met in our entire lives. When the world is handed to him on a silver platter, when the power of the universe is placed in his fingers, he takes all of his power and he takes all of his freedom to bend himself down into the role of a servant and to wash the dirty, stinking feet of the people who are beneath him. Does that stun you, that Jesus does that? It should. You know, there were a ton of different ways 
that disciples were supposed to kind of serve their masters, right? Like the master's like giving them all this teaching. Jesus is a teacher. He's kind of the Lord of these people. And so there's a ton of different ways that actually the disciples were supposed to kind of serve their master. They do certain things for them, right? They're, like there's lots of ways they would serve the master, but guess what they would never ever do, even for their master? They'd never wash their feet. You know why? It's so degrading. It's such a dirty, it's such a lowly task. That was something that only servants would do, only house servants. And yet that's what Jesus does. And I want you to like, you know, maybe just put it in today's situation, right? This is like, if you were doing what Jesus does here, it'd be like if you, I don't know, you go to like the Quickie Mart or something and you, you go and you're like, damn, I'm going to scratch lotto tickets. I'm just going to do it because it's fun and it's only a few bucks, whatever. You get it. And like you win big. And it's like not one of those little like $7 million jackpots. Like you win the big like $400 million jackpot, right? And you get this thing and they like hand you this check and you're like, this is a big check. Like that cash is, I don't know. And you're like carrying this thing to the bank. You cash it. And immediately what you do is you take this money and you go to Walmart and you're like, this is sick. And what you do is you go and you go to the cleaning section and you buy rubber gloves, you buy some Clorox bleach, you buy some disinfectant and then you take this back to your apartment and you start cleaning your roommate's bathroom and you scrub his toilet and you go in his room and you're like stepping over stuff and you like start collecting his dirty clothes, his dirty underwear, like every, this is a guy's room, you know, like you're just collecting it and you like start washing this for him. That's what Jesus does. It's like the world is laid at his feet, all the power in the universe is given to him and he's like, this is amazing and he walks over to the sink and he starts doing the dirty dishes that his roommate hasn't done for months. That's weird. And if that was all we knew about Jesus, it would be enough to tell us that Jesus is completely and utterly unlike us, isn't he? One question I've been asking is what would be different about the world if we used our power and our freedom like Jesus does? I've been asking this question, what would be different about my life if I used my freedom as an opportunity to serve the people around me instead of use my freedom as a kind of entitlement by which I use to try to get the people around me to serve me. What would be different about the world? What would be different about your life if you lived like this? The answer is everything. Everything would be different about the world, wouldn't it? If this was the way people used power, if this was the way people used freedom and authority, Everything would be different about your life if you lived like Jesus here too. And it's, it's interesting, right? Because Jesus, he gets out of his chair and he takes off kind of his nice outer clothes, his robe, right? He takes that off because what he's about to do is dirty work and he starts to wash the feet of his disciples and he's going one by one, right? So he washes the, the, you know, the feet of Thomas and he goes around, right? And then eventually he gets to Judas. He washes Judas's feet and then eventually he gets to Peter. All right, bold, strong leader, Peter. And this is what happens in verse six. He came to Simon Peter, who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, he said, Peter, what I'm doing, you, you don't realize now, but afterward, you're gonna understand. But Peter just said, you will never wash my feet. 
You're never gonna wash my feet. Now this is an incredible moment because put yourself in Peter's shoes, okay? Right, this actually makes sense, okay? Like Peter knows who Jesus is. Your king is sitting at the head of the table, right? The God of light and glory. He's just gotten up from his seat at the head of the table He's taken off his robe and now he's bent down with a bowl of soapy water and he is about to take his hands, right? His perfect, undefiled, untainted, perfect hands and he's going to take them and he's going to then use those to rub your feet to get the dirt and the grime and the piss and the filth off your first century feet that you've walked miles that day in. And Peter's like, no, you're not going to touch my feet, Jesus. They're dirty, they're disgusting, you're holy, you're perfect. You're not going to do that. He says, you're never going to wash my feet. I will never let you serve me in this low and degrading of a way. I'm never going to let the hands that formed the stars and that, that formed and shaped the coastlines come and be defiled and degraded by touching the dirtiest part of me. And what Jesus says to Peter is amazing. He says, Peter, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. If you don't let me do this, if you don't let me get down and serve you in this way and touch the dirtiest part of you, we don't have relationship. The only people who belong to me, Peter, are people who I have washed, the people who I have cleansed. And so Simon Peter, he loves Jesus. And so he flip-flops, right? Verse nine, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. He's like, okay, fine, then wash the whole thing. I want to be with you, Jesus. And then Jesus says, one who has bathed doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he is completely clean. I want to just stop for a second, and I want to just show you, because there's, there's two layers of humility that are happening in this scene. Two layers. And, and then the first one is like a, a shallow, kind of surface-level layer of humility that Peter has. He's humble enough to realize that Jesus is above him, Right? Like he, he can see clearly, he knows Jesus is here, he's here. This is master, this is servant, right? He's humble enough to know that Jesus is too worthy to stoop this low. And he knows that he's too unworthy for Jesus to do this for him. That's the kind of humility Peter has. He knows who Jesus is. But the problem is that while he is just humble enough, right, this first layer, just humble enough to value and respect Jesus, he is not yet humble enough to see that he can't clean himself. The kind of humility that Jesus requires isn't just that we see him as worthy and as wonderful and even as master, but actually the kind of humility that Jesus wants is the kind of humility that gets to a point where we say, yeah, but if you don't clean me, I have absolutely no hope. It's the kind of humility that even though we know that the Lord's fingers are gonna get dirty and that he's gonna be defiled by touching us, we know that him doing that for us is actually our only hope of ever being clean. It's our only hope of ever being clean. Um, and so the difference is like your need, right? 
That's the kind of humility he's talking about. He's like, there's a certain kind of humility that actually when it recognizes there's tremendous need, it actually receives help. Okay, go with me with this illustration, all right? Um, is anyone studying to be a proctologist? Anyone? It, that's the medical term. It's a butt doctor, all right? That's what, that's what it is. It's a doctor when you have problems down there. Anyway, here's the thing, right? In general, in your life, like this area of you, this dirty area, right? Um, you don't normally let other people near that, right? And, and here's, here, I said go with me, just follow me. Okay, here's the thing. It would be, uh, it would be an incredible amount of arrogance, okay? For you to kind of be in your normal daily life, like you're going to the bathroom, whatever, and, and there's someone with you and you're like, mm, man, you know what? Like, I got a 35 in my ACT. This guy got like 16. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, and I've been thinking about it, and I think that the right way for this relationship to work is this a lot of work to kind of wipe my butt? And so I think what I should do is get this person to clean my backside for me, right? No, no one would ever do that, right? Every single person in this room is humble enough to be like, dude, no one deserves that. Trust me, it's kind of a mess down there. Like, I got it. I don't want anyone coming into that space. Like, I, like there, you got just a little bit of humility to be like, nope, I'm good, I got that. I'm not gonna try to find someone or even pay them to do that. I'm good. But here's the difference. When you got hemorrhoids or you got something really messed up down there, like you go to the bathroom and you're like, that's a gallon of blood. I don't know where that came from. That's not what's supposed to happen. All of a sudden, right, like you need to get this fixed. Here's the thing, right? It wouldn't be humility in that moment that would keep you from going to a doctor to fix this. What would it be? Pride. In that moment when you have desperate need and you're like, no, actually, I can't fix this. I don't know what's going on. All of a sudden in that moment, what would keep you from having someone fix that part of you, it wouldn't be humility. It would be pride. You'd be too proud to be helped, too proud to have that part of you opened up and worked on. Now, this is a weird analogy, but it's true. Listen, it's a really weird analogy. I tried to find everyone. I couldn't think of one. Anyway, when, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. When you're desperately in need, right? When you're at a place where like, you, you actually can't fix anything yourself, when you're desperately in need, then it isn't humility that would keep you from being healed. Actually, it's pride. Humble people, truly humble people, they don't have a problem going to someone for handouts or going to someone for help when they actually have real needs, but proud people do. And one of the ways that so many people in church, they miss Jesus, is they have just enough reverence and just enough awe to respect him and hold him in some level of high esteem. But they also have just enough reverence and just enough awe for themselves to never believe that they actually need Jesus to forgive them for their sins. And so these people, right, they look at forgiveness and look at this idea of redemption through the blood of Jesus and they think this is, a, this is a really beautiful offer for the kind of people who would take that. But these people, would, they don't think, I, I would never make Jesus take my sins upon his shoulder 
that is so degrading to him. I, I'm not gonna shackle someone else with my problems. I'm gonna figure out a way to fix that on my own. And Jesus says, if you're one of those kind of people that say, Jesus, no, I'm not gonna let you wash my feet. I'm not gonna let you touch that dirty part of me. Jesus is saying, then you don't have any part with him at all. It's the only way you get Jesus. In this moment, right, where Jesus washes his disciples' feet, it happens just days before Jesus is gonna go to the cross. Just like a short few chapters before Jesus goes to the cross. And John, and it's like what he's saying, right? He's like, hey, man, what I'm doing here in this moment, Peter, like, you don't understand this yet, but in a really short amount of time, you're gonna get it. It's gonna click. You're gonna see what I'm doing, what I'm talking about, right? Because this scene isn't really about Jesus using his hands to, to wash their feet. Like, that's not the point of it, right? It's about how in a few days from now, he's gonna use his body and he's gonna use his blood to wash away their sins. And what Jesus is saying, what he means by this foot washing thing, what he means by coming to Peter and saying, Peter, if you don't let me wash you, you have no part in me, is he's saying to Peter and he's saying to all of us, he's saying, if you don't come to me, the Savior, the Redeemer, the crucified Messiah, if you don't come to me exactly as you are, you have no part in me. He's saying if you hold back the dirtiest parts of you, and when you walk into church, you, you know, you, you kind of put that stuff back because you know that doesn't belong in church. And so you come and you basically just present this false view of yourself to Jesus. You've tried to clean yourself up. You hold back the dirtiest parts. He says, if you do that, you have no part with me. If you try to clean yourself up before you come to Jesus, if you try to do some damage control in your life before you come to the Savior, he says, you have no part with me. If you try to keep me from lowering myself and serving you as I have come to do, then you have no part with me. Why? It's because if you don't let Jesus wash you, if you don't come to Jesus as your last and only hope for being clean and made new, then you may respect Jesus, you may live your life revering him and honoring him, but you will never worship him as savior. You will never be able to stand and be in absolute awe of what it cost him to become your redeemer. You're never gonna be the kind of person that lays down your life at his feet in response to what he's done. And you're also never gonna be the kind of person that can actually go out into the world and do the same kind of thing that he did. You're never gonna be able to be the kind of person that can actually go out into the world and wash the feet of the people around you. And this is what Jesus, he ends the section in verse 12. He just says, when, when Jesus had washed their feet and, and he'd put on his outer clothing, right? He puts back on his robes. He reclined again and, and he says to them, now listen to this. He says, do you know what I have done for you? He's talking to his closest disciples, just his people around his table, this meal table. He says, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that's what I am. So if I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. Truly, 
Truly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Don't just picture Jesus with dirt on his hands and with mud on his clothes, but picture Jesus just a few days after that, right, with holes in his hands and with, with blood-stained skin saying, do you know what I've done for you? Christian, do you know the way that Jesus has stooped down low and served you? And he's saying, if I'm your Lord and if I'm your God and I've done this for you, then you should likewise go and serve the people around you. And he says, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master or a messenger is not greater than the one who gave him the message to go out and proclaim. So why is it that when our master was willing to wash our feet with his hands and willing to wash away our sins with his blood, why can't we just wash the dishes that are in the sink? And why are we so offended when someone drinks the last Coke that we bought? Why can Jesus humble himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, and we can't seem to lower ourselves to do almost anything for anyone without complaining about it? Instead of being like Jesus, it's like we use our Christianity and we use our, our status even as salt company leaders or we use our Bible knowledge not to try to lift other people up and lay down our lives for other people, but we use all those things that God has given us to try to get the people around us to lay down their life for us and serve us. And it's like Jesus is saying to his followers, he's saying, hey, I love you. Like I'm, I'm, I, get, I get it, I love you, but how dare you do this with what I've given you? A servant isn't greater than their master. Are you really trying to occupy a higher position in the world than I did? Are you really trying to sit on the throne and do everything you possibly can to get to that place of prestige when I chose to come into the world and carry a cross? He's saying, are you greater than I am, Christian? Are you more important than I am? Are you more worthy of worship and praise than I am? Is a servant greater than their master? Sometimes we pretend to be, don't we? Sometimes we spend a lot of time trying to convince the world that we are, don't we? And Jesus says, look, look, what, I've, look what I've done for you. I, when I look at my life, guys, I just wanna be totally honest and transparent with you guys. I'm not yelling at you guys. I have been completely shattered by these words these, this week. Like completely shattered by this. And um, I feel like when I have freedom, I tend to use it to serve myself. I feel like whenever I have some bit of power, I, I basically try to use it to get others to serve me. When there's something lowly or small or, or maybe some kind of task that maybe seems degrading, I try to do basically anything I can to have someone else do it. I, I think I'm too important 
to pick up the programs that are in the auditorium after Sunday. Sometimes I walk and I see them and I say, hey, someone else will do this, I'm just gonna keep walking. I think I'm too valuable to leave work early and clean the bathrooms at our house and, and I see my savior, right? Like I look at my life and the way I seek entitlement and then I see my savior and I see him lower myself below my dirty feet and I see him take off his royal robes and I see him clean me and he isn't offended by me. He isn't ashamed of my dirt and my sin. He doesn't think of himself as too good for me even though he is but instead he serves me even at the cost of his life. Most of my life, I live as a very proud and arrogant and entitled man. That's just true. But it is the moments in my life when I remember what Jesus has done for me, when I see who he is and I remember what he has done for me, those are the moments where I'm freed to love and serve those around me, even when it's at great cost to myself. You know, part of the reason that Jesus is so serious about Peter being washed by him, right, like obviously he's saying like, Peter, if, like if, if, we're gonna, if we're gonna save you, if you're gonna have salvation, like that comes through my forgiveness. That comes through me touching the dirtiest part of you and making it clean, right? That's, there's this like Peter and Jesus relationship that he's talking about, but part of the reason that Jesus is so serious about Peter being washed by him is because he knows that if Peter doesn't let him wash his feet, then Peter's never ever gonna be the kind of person who's gonna go out of his way to wash someone else's feet. This is one of the common problems with the disciples, right? And kind of all the different gospels, there's this, this common theme that comes up, right? Where they all, they all kind of recognize Jesus as holy and worthy. He's number one, right? They know that. He's the master. They get it. They're disciples. What are they always trying to figure out? Yeah, but who's number two, right? Yeah, we get it. We're salt company. We get it. We, we love Jesus. But what are so many of us trying to figure out all the time? Yeah, we get it. He's really important. But who's like second most important? It's always what the disciples are trying to figure out. There's this time actually, one of the moments when Jesus is first sharing about how he's gonna be crucified. Like he, he reveals this and he's like, guys, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna be crucified. And then like later he's like, hey, what were you talking about after I told you that? And the disciples are like, they don't wanna talk about it, why? Because immediately after, they said, after Jesus said that, they go back to their original conversation. What's the conversation about? Which one of us is the greatest? They're always talking about that. So many times they're distracted by Jesus and what he's done for them because the thing they're trying to figure out is, yeah, just am I, am I a little bit higher up in this hierarchy than you? And maybe you can wash my feet. I don't think I'd wash yours. Is that true of you guys? Do you guys ever get distracted from what Jesus has done for you because the only thing you can think about is the way the people around you view you? You're constantly trying to figure out if people see you as someone special. The disciples did this all the time, they even did it with Jesus, right? How can I posture myself in this Christian group around this one powerful person? How can I even like hang out close to Jesus in the crowds, right? Not so I can be close to Jesus, but so the people can see, whoa, 
This person's next to this really powerful person. I'm worried that some of you in here, that's what all of this is for you. I'm worried that some of you, that's why you're on Salt Company Leadership. I'm worried that some of you freshmen, that's why you wanna jump further into here. It isn't because you wanna serve Jesus and serve people, but it's because you wanna gain some notoriety for yourself amongst the people here. Even in following Jesus, so often for the disciples, it wasn't about him, so often it was about then. And then Jesus does something that's absolutely stunning. Right, he gets first place. Done, it's over, he is first. The world is thrown down at his feet and the very first thing he does is he comes off his throne, he ties a towel around his waist and he goes and he does the job that no one else wants to do and he does the job that no one else could do. And the thing that he does is he, he gives his disciples the thing they're looking for. That's what's so crazy about this. Like Jesus gives them what they want. They're asking who is the greatest and then what Jesus does is he gets, he leaves the head of the table and he bends down and he goes, I'm gonna be your servant. I'm gonna treat you as the greatest person in the room. And if you're a Christian, that's what Jesus has done for you. Yes, you want greatness, you want power, you want authority, you want prestige, you want glory. Admit it, Christian, don't you? Jesus died so you can have all those things, actually. You live in this world and you're trying desperately to figure out how do I get some kind of honor, how do I get some kind of value, how do I get some people to speak a good word over me, and Jesus goes, it's gonna be a really rough life if you spend your whole life trying to get that. So here's what I'll do. I'll I'll take my robes of honor off and I'll give them to you. And the way that my father speaks over me, well done, my son, the son in whom I'm well pleased. How about, how about if that kind of honor, how about I give that to you? And then the word that I get from the father isn't one of goodness, isn't one of honor, it's one of shame as I sit on the cross and I cry out my father's name and he doesn't even answer me. You want glory? <laughs> Jesus says, yeah, I don't really want you to spend the rest of your life trying to find that on your own. Because you'll be miserable and you'll hurt other people to try to get it. So here's what I'll do. I'll take off my heavenly crown and I'll give it to you. You want a throne? I'll give you a throne in heaven. Literally, the new heavens, the new earth. Jesus has his throne. Who else has them? We all do. Jesus says, I'll give you my crown. I'll take a crown of thorns for you. You want prestige? You want to be, you want to be valuable and worth something? You want freedom? Jesus says, here's what I'll do. 
I'll take the slavery that you have in your life, your slavery to sin, actually your slavery to this constant seeking and idolatry to just find glory for yourself. What I'll do is I will, I'll actually take that upon myself. I'll go to the cross and become sin for you and I will bear that slavery upon myself so that you can be a truly and completely free person who isn't searching for glory anymore because you've been given it, who isn't searching for a home anymore because you've been given a home in heaven, who isn't searching for family and father and friends because you've been given God himself, who isn't searching for honor and glory anymore because Jesus has given you his. The reason that you have to be washed, the reason that you have to be changed like this is because if you don't receive forgiveness for your sins from Jesus, then you won't also receive all those things. And if you don't have all of those things already given to you through the blood of Jesus Christ, then you can't possibly be like Jesus in this way. No way. You never will be like Jesus. You can look at Jesus' example and you can say, Jesus had power and he washed the disciples' feet. And you can go out and you can grit your teeth and you can say, I'm gonna serve the people around me. And I'm telling you, that'll last like one week. And then as people aren't thankful, and as you keep cleaning the dishes and cleaning the dishes and cleaning up the crap, your friends leave, they're not gonna say thanks. And eventually you're gonna realize that it's not worth it. You don't care. But if Jesus has washed you, then his life isn't just an example for you, but his life is honor and glory. He has given you everything you've wanted. I just, I want you guys to think about that tonight. Have you been washed by Jesus? Are you like Peter who then goes, well, if that's what it means to be washed, then wash my whole body. Just, Jesus, my whole body's dirty. Just wash all of it. Or are you like one of those people that's just humble enough to be like, Jesus is pretty cool. There's something really cool about this guy. But I got stuff, I got dirt, and I got sin. I'm still trying to figure out. And I'm gonna try to figure this out before I come to Jesus. Don't do that. Don't do that. Come to Jesus with all of your sin, with all of your failure, even with all of your pride and your entitlement. And just come to Jesus and say, Jesus, will you wash me and make me clean? He will. Let's pray. Jesus, forgive us our sins. Jesus, forgive us for the times where you've called us to be servants and we've said no. We're gonna try to be the king. You've called us to lay down our lives for others and we've said no. I'm gonna try to get them to lay down their lives for me. Jesus, forgive us for the ways that we've failed to live like you in this world. And Jesus, we hold open our hands and we just say, Jesus, you are amazing what you've done. 
and even a group of people who are just clamoring and fighting and bickering amongst themselves of which one of them is best, you look into that group and you say, guys, 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 look what I've done for you. I've washed your feet. I've cleansed your sins. Now go and serve the people around you because when you serve them, they see a picture of the way I served you. Jesus, I pray you'd make Salt Company a place where the way we live our lives is not like the world where we try to get our own glory, but Jesus, would we lay down our glory? Would we lay down our seeking after fame, lay down our seeking after comfort, and we would just say, Jesus, you've given us everything. So it's very easy for us to just give away a little piece of that to someone near us. Make us like you, Jesus, even now as we worship you. In your name, amen.